When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens. 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right. Also, betonline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. Greg, an interesting game on Sunday at Lambeau Field. Of course, Bailey Zappi comes in after Brian Hoyer goes out. Before we get into those game thoughts, let's hit a few of the headlines surrounding this team, starting with Jamie Collins. Yes. Jamie Collins is back. He's never going to leave. This seems like it's the 15th time he's a Patriot, Greg. Yeah, uh, it wasn't wasn't a big surprise. I think we talked about it last week uh, in relation to the play of Mac Wilson, um, who got pressed into service a bit when uh, Ray Quam McMillan's dealing with an injury. I think it's a thumb. I'm not really sure. Um, and Mac Wilson had to play a lot last week against the Ravens. He was not good against the Ravens. I said, you know, given Jamie Collins' workout, if if there was going to be a game that got the Patriots to sign another inside linebacker, it would have been the Ravens game. And then you put that on top of – you put this Packers game on top of it where their linebacker play was really just abysmal. It was It was not a big part of the reason, but it was definitely part of the reason why – the Packers had an easy time running the ball and the Patriots had to add somebody, you know, an experienced voice is good. It's interesting that it's not Dante Hightower. Um, you know, I don't know why that is. I don't know why. Maybe they think Collins is a little bit faster than Hightower. Um, who knows? At this rate, I wouldn't be surprised if Dante Hightower comes back because, you know, it's just Bill just can't quit certain things in terms of his defense and experience. And, you know, you would have thought that, how some of the rookies fared in this game that it, it would, you know, be an impetus to play. Hey, let's take a chance on some more young guys, you know, because at least, yeah, they're going to make mistakes, but there are, they also might make some explosive plays as we saw with Jack Jones in this game. But uh, yeah, Jamie Collins, uh, I, I also wanted to put in there, might as well group it in here. Marcus Cannon getting into the game. Um, he reverted back to the practice squad after the game, but that's just a formality. I think that, uh, given Isaiah Wynn's uh, performance in this game, how he's played the last about three weeks now, uh, that you could be looking at Marcus Cannon being your next right tackle. So, hey, it's like 2012 all over again, Nick. It's a reunion, everybody. You come back. Come on in. The water's warm. Uh, called the Niners about Isaiah Wynn. See if you can get like a fourth round pick from them. Trent Williams is down. Uh, McKivitz went down last night with a knee. They are down to their third string tackle on the left side, blind side of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, call Kyle Shanahan. You worked at the out with him before. Do it again. Yep. Send him across the country. Send him out here to me, right? Send, send him out here to me all the way across the country because he's just been bad. Uh, I thought Cannon settled the offensive uh, line down a little bit when he got into that game on Sunday. I'm fine with Cannon, whatever. He's not great, but he's better than Win because Win's not yep. giving you much. Linebacker, look. Uh, we talked about it when Cam McGrone was not put on this active roster. The Patriots did not evaluate the linebacker position well enough. Mm-hmm. They they put all their eggs in the basket of Tavai and McMillan and you know everybody else, McGrone and Wilson, and and they swung and missed. That that's just point blank. Period. End of story. They they could have. Uh, upgraded the linebacker position. They decided not to. And for people saying, oh, Raekwon's hurt. Yeah, like that's why he missed last year too. So to think he was going to be able to come back and stay healthy 
they, they could have gone a different route. They could have brought in one or two different pieces at that position. I was fine with the Wilson trade because Winovich does not fit this team. Yep. And, you know, that, that was fine to take that swing. But they've missed on Wilson. And, you know, McMillan's hurt again. Tavai is just bad and, and inconsistent. McGrone is obviously not healthy enough. So, you know, they placed their bets on those guys. And they lost the bet. And now they're going to go out and get Collins, which, you know, is not where you want to be. Hopefully he still has some football left in him. Uh, quick update from this morning, Greg. I saw my guy, Zolak, uh, my guy, Zoe, on, uh, Zoe and Bertrand say that Tyquan Thornton is close and that he's, you know, getting back to close to getting back to normal. I want your thoughts on Thornton because – Look, I, I want to be reasonable with this, the, the reasonable impact that he can bring. Because I think people got excited about him in the preseason, and some fans might expect him to kind of parachute in and be this complete game-changing guy. I, I don't think that's reasonable to expect from a rookie who's coming off of an injury, but could Thornton help this offense? And if so, how much could he help it when he gets back? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to see exactly when he gets back. I mean, he might be feeling better. I mean, he still has... He had a broken collarbone, so really it's on the x-rays. I mean, he might be well enough to start getting his legs under him and things like that. Uh, in terms of when he actually gets back, the impact that he can make on the field, you know, it's it's tough when you're a rookie and you miss that much time. Um, you know, it really is. I mean, I think, I think it's, you know, at first he's sort of like a shot play type of guy, gadget guy, a few plays here and there each game, and then, then you see. Um, Ideally, if he stayed on the same path that he was going, I think that he had a chance to be one of their, you know, in terms of playing snaps, one of their top players. Um, he he gives them playmaking ability in the middle of the field. I think he's more of the uh, wide receiver screen gadget type of guy, better than Aguilar, better than Parker. You know, Bourne does a little bit of that when he gets a chance to play. Um, you know, but my big thing is talking about Tyquan Thornton, like who, where's he going to play? I mean, obviously they're not taking Devonte Parker off the field. Jacoby Myers is going to be back. I assume, even though it's kind of weird that um, it looked like he was tracking to play this week, then suddenly he didn't. And now this is two games since he made those comments to Mike Giardi of NFL network, uh, sort of questioning the plan that he's been MIA, certainly injury. I mean, maybe it's just injury related. Who knows? Probably is, but you know, you at least have to make note of that. Um, you know, little Jordan Humphrey is still out there playing snaps. So they're going to take him off the field or, you know, God forbid, you know, it was, it was hilarious to watch in this game, Nick, that their opening drive of the second half, um, their first touchdown drive of the game, they come out after halftime, Kendrick Bourne's on the field the whole time and they run the ball down the Packers throats. Like I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think that was possible. (laughs) I thought I thought LJ Humphrey had to be on the field for the for the Patriots to to be able to run the ball. I mean, they ran I think it was like four times for like I don't know, like 40 yards on that drive. Like it was uh it was something to see. Oh wait, they ran four times for 30 yards on that, but uh you know, and also I also want to point out that the the play action touchdown that was I think it was was it Devontae Parker who was wide open. Um yeah. A lot of that happened because Kendrick Bourne was a threat to the middle of the field, and it was a coverage bust because the Packers were supposed to be in cover three, but the cornerback got distracted by Kendrick Bourne, and so he he forgot to drop off. And so that that just shows you the threat of having a playmaker on the field, what they could do even if they don't have the ball, where if, if that's L.J. Humphrey, they probably ignore him running down the field because they, they'd never throw him the ball. So I just had to point that out. But, you know, where does Thornton play? I mean, between Parker, Myers, LJ Humphrey, Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, who's he taking snaps from? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, uh, who who knows how he fits in and if he fits in, right? I mean, it's it, it's one of those big time questions with Bourne struggling to get on the field. Does Thornton just, you know, immediately, like I said, parachute in and, and off of the born stuff and running the football uh, last time I checked, I want to ask you though, Greg, just to make sure was, was little Jordan Humphrey on this team last year? Uh, not that I'm aware of. 
Okay, he was. <laughs> um, let's see. Where did the Patriots rank in rush yards last year? Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. They were the eighth, eighth best rushing team when it comes to total rushing yards last season with Kendrick Porn playing a lot of snaps and no LJ Humphrey. Okay. They were top 10 when it comes to yards per carry at 4.4 yards a carry last year. So don't give me, they have to have LJ Humphrey out there to run the football. They were mm-hmm. top 10 rushing offense last year with Kendrick Bourne. Get out of my face with it. Um, <laughs> who will they, uh, let, let's look at quarterback, Greg. Who's going to play quarterback this week? Is it Zappy Zapster Zap or is it Hoyer? <laughs> or does Mac Jones all of a sudden come out and down the tunnel ready to play? Uh, if I had to be a betting man, if I was betting on this, uh, I would bet on Bailey Zappy being the quarterback for this team this week. I saw Brian Hoyer leaving the locker room after the game, had his hood on over, head down, walking slowly, did not look good. Um, you know, Mac Jones, we'll see. I'm sure he's going to do everything that he can to try to play. He's, the, you know, he's a tough guy. And I expect that. I expect him to be on the practice field, if not all week, at least most of the week. But I think this is a little bit early for him. Yes, he did make progress the first few days, but a lot of times that can sort of plateau. And I think we're in sort of that area where I think this is going to be tough for him. Maybe he comes back the next week when I think they play the Browns, you know, possibly. But if I had to say right now, uh, I think it's Zappy. Yeah, I think so too. I don't, especially with everything going on with the concussion situation in NFL Belichick saying yesterday that he's held guys out of games, even if they've passed it at times, it's a, it's a very delicate situation right now for the league. And, and I think every team is going to err on the side of caution for the vast majority of these decisions to make. So I don't think Hoyer comes back this week. Uh, maybe Mac is going to be the emergency quarterback in case things go terrible. Um, but I, I do think that Bailey Zappi will, will start this game against Detroit on Sunday. All right, let's get to the game thoughts uh, for the Packers. Uh, your first note is that this game was about the Packers. Explain that to us. Yeah, so, you know, I understand that if you haven't seen the Packers play very much over the years, maybe outside of a playoff game here and there, and you hear the reputation, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and they were, they're certainly mentioned among the among the favorites to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC, and, and I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I think you might have also, Nick. Um, so I, I understand from the 10,000-foot view – you look at going into that game and you're just like, oh, this is a really formidable team. The Patriots lost their backup quarterback. They're on their third string quarterback and they had the Packers on, on the ropes and they lost in overtime. They took them 70 minutes and the 10,000 foot view. I understand that's impressive. And, and, you know, competing with your third string quarterback against anybody, especially against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. It's impressive, but you know what you have to understand about the Packers. And we talked about this going into the game. We talked about how they had a big victory in Tampa Bay the week before against Tom Brady. We, I know I did. And I think you did Nick as well. I mean, we both picked the Packers to win, but to to cover the nine and a half point spread. And one of the reasons why I did is because I've seen this team. I, I used to cover this team. I've watched them a lot over the years, sort of keeping up and, and, you know, watching the guys that I used to cover, especially Aaron. Uh, You know, this team has a history, a long history of playing down to their opponents, having letdowns the week after big games, even at home, especially at home. I've seen them do it against teams like, you know, the Lions in their own division. And so, you know, when I watched this game, uh, you know, I thought that, I thought that Rodgers played largely like crap most of this game. He did pull a few plays out of his rear end, a couple of Rodgers plays, but I thought he played terrible. The, the The pick six was just, it was telegraphed. It was lazy. He he even said after the game that he played terrible. Um, you know, and the, the Patriots offensively, they had the first drive of the game for a field goal. Then they didn't do anything. They had the two touchdown drives in the second half. Yes impressive that they were able to do it but you know the Packers defensively aren't that good we knew going in that they were last 
in a defensive efficiency against the run coming in. The Patriots finally got back to just running the ball, and they basically went run, 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 play action, guys wide open, Bailey hit a pass, you know, hit a couple passes, and that was it. And so they had the first drive, those two drives, and outside of that, they did nothing. They had three drives to win the game, to put the Packers out of their misery, and they t- they had nine plays, 14 yards. And you can say, oh, well, it's Bailey Zappi, this and that. I, I understand, but – you still got to make a play. It was there for them. And I just think, I, I didn't think that the Packers played very well in this game. I thought LaFleur, it was outmatched by Belichick. Uh, I don't think he's a very good coach. And so at the end of the day, after watching the film, I didn't come away thinking, oh my God, the Patriots were so good in this game. They put up such an effort. I just thought that, I just thought that the Packers were not good in this game. And, and the Patriots were, were nearly able to take advantage of that and get a victory. I had the Rams going to the Super Bowl, and after watching them get curb stomped last night by the Niners, mm. I don't care about it. Um, but looking looking at this game on Sunday, the Packers, I just don't think they're a very good football team. Not right now, they're not. Nope. No, not right and they might become two months or mm-hmm. months from now, who knows? But right now, they're not very good. I, I said it before the game. I, I think we pretty much nailed it, frankly. I, and look, uh, this is not to throw a parade on our behalf, but Greg and I, I believe, are like 4-0 and so far calling these games and spreads. Yep. And I think we pretty much got close to the final score. I mean, I think I said 24, 17, sorry, I could not predict the Jack Jones pick six, mm-hmm. but I felt like the Patriots would put up about 17 points. And I felt like the Packers would be somewhere in the low to mid twenties. If you go back to the Tampa game now, after watching Kansas city, absolutely destroy that Buccaneers defense. You do wonder like th- this Packers offense has been inconsistent. Rogers hasn't been very good. The receivers aren't very noteworthy or dependable. They, as I said before the game, limit Aaron Jones and limit that run game, and you can you can stay within striking distance. And they gave up some runs, obviously. Jones had a good day, but that's that's the team. The front seven's not great. They're not good against the run. I agree with you on Matt Lafleur. He made, he made first of all the the third and nine um, go route to Dobbs was to me a horrendous decision horrendous to to take a shot downfield on third and long. And yeah, he almost completed it and it would have been a touchdown if he completed the process, but you're about seven yards away from field goal range. I, I thought that was a terrible play call, forced them into a fourth and nine and a punt and then challenging, challenging the play and losing one of your timeouts. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't challenge that Dobbs play, then they have two timeouts. They force the Patriots to run a play on third down instead of just run the football and, and drain the clock. I thought LaFleur absolutely bungled, you know, late in that fourth quarter. And he's lucky his team was able to win that football game in overtime. As far as Rodgers, I thought he made two great throws and and two pivotal throws. The Lazard play down the sideline, Jonathan Jones had great coverage. That is a great ball and that is a great catch. And then the Randall Cobb play on third and long as he's got pressure rushing right directly at him. And he's like, he's backpedaling, backpedaling and floats yep. right over Miles Bryant to Cobb. I thought that was a terrific throw. Mm-hmm. But the Packers, people think Packers, they think, you know, Rodgers, they think great football team. I'm telling you, they're not a great football team, at least not right now. They're middle of the pack. And that's how I see the Patriots. You know, the Patriots are a team that if they take care of the football, they run the football, they play good defense, they can compete with the majority of teams in the league. It goes back to last year. You have like four or five teams at the very top that are cream of the crop. I was saying this on EEI a couple of years ago. Uh, Patriots fans are not used to being in that middle group. They're starting to. But, you know, you have the top four or five teams. Then you have about, you know, 10 to 12 teams somewhere in there where you're kind of, you know, you can compete. Maybe even 15 teams where you can compete. And, And then you've got the truly bottom of the league, right? And the teams that go in every week and they're like, oh, geez, everything has to go right for us to win. The Patriots are in that middle tier, and that's why they can compete with the Ravens, and they they turn the football over 100 times, and they still have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. That's why they go to Lambeau with their third-string quarterback, and they have a shot within striking distance with their third-string quarterback, you know, throwing for less than like 100 yards. That's what this team is, middle tier. They're, they're in the middle of the pack. They compete. They can compete any week with most teams if they take care of the ball yep. and don't have massive screw-ups. Uh, let's get to the, the Hoyer injury and how you think that affected Matt Patricia 
and maybe making Patricia look actually better than he was. Yeah, I think I think it took a lot of things off the table for Patricia as a play caller, and it really focused him in on just like running the ball. And like, look, on the two touchdown drives to start the second half, did he good, do a good job of mixing inside zone, outside zone, and and calling the play action pass? Yeah, absolutely. You know, tip of the cap on those drives, but that's not exactly upper level play calling and offensive coordinating. I mean, it's just I, I thought that. You know, taking a lot of things off the table, knowing that Bailey Zappi probably hasn't repped a whole bunch of uh, of their plays, their specialty plays, that that Patricia looked at his play sheet and it shrunk the play sheet down and really said, like, this is what we need to do. We need to manage the, the game. And I think Belichick realized, even despite what he said after the game, I think Belichick realized, like, look, you know, the Packers aren't really, you know, running away f- with this game. Rodgers is off. You know, he had like an 11 quarterback rating in the first half, and it wasn't because of the Packers defense. Uh, I mean, the Patriots defense. It was because that's just what he does at times. He goes through stretches of games where he's disinterested. And I think that that really helped out Patricia, and it sort of like handcuffed him to be like, all right, just run the ball inside, run the ball outside, call play action. Like, I, I just thought it really focused him in. And, and you know, we'll talk more about, some of the issues that I still think that Matt Patricia has as an offense coordinator in BSJ film room in a little bit. Uh, but I, I, I think that, yeah, I think that the, the injury actually in this game helps the Patriots because, it, you know, it forced Patricia to go at the Packers weakness, which is their rush defense. It's not very good. The, the rookie linebacker Quay Walker was terrible in this game. If you wanted the Patriots to draft a linebacker to help their linebacking core, Walker would have been one of those guys. Look, he's a rookie. I mean, it's tough. Uh, you know, the the kid in Jacksonville. Uh, shit, I was just I was just thinking of him the other day. Devin Lloyd uh, is another guy that would have been an alternative to say Cole Strange, who again struggled um, in this game. But uh, yeah, I do think that that the injury actually ended up benefiting the Patriots and helping Matt Patricia. One quick thing here before we get to the BSJ film room with you. And of course, people watching the, uh, the YouTube version of this podcast, uh, you're going to love the film room and, and people listening to the podcast, try to jump on YouTube to, to watch it when you get home. Uh, but one more thing that the, the play calling in the overtime, a lot of people were commenting on some of the decision-making by Belichick and Patricia there. You're, you're looking at the, the uh, second and five play. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought I thought once they, you know, they held Rodgers and the Packers to three and out to start overtime. They get the ball, I, I think, at their own 49, basically at midfield. So you only need about 15 yards to give yourself a chance to win the game. I mean, you know, you, you basically just answered the call. You, you, you held off Rodgers. You got the ball back. Um, and, and ultimately, I don't have a problem with them punting on fourth and five. Um, in that situation with Bailey Zappi as quarterback and, and, and not, you know, at that point in time, how many plays does Zappi run? Matt Patricia's probably looking at his play sheet and be like, you know, has Bailey Zappi even run this play? Like, do we really want to put him in that circumstance? So to me, once they got five yards on first down, I thought second and five was when they should have been aggressive. They, that, that is at least, you know, as opposed to some other plays, which we're going to break down, some Patricia has shown a weakness on second and long, being able to call plays. But second and medium, where, look, the Packers have been gashed at times in the run game. You, you just got five yards off of them. You figure that they're going to be uber aggressive if you show run action on this play. You gotta, to me, you got to go play action. You say, all right, we've built to this. We're going for the win right here, and we're going – play action, boot, you know, drag somebody on the other side of the field, you know, try to get 10 yards right there, which will give you the 15 because, you know, once you get the third down, then all bets are off. And now, you know, Bailey's probably going to get pressure. How's he going to handle that? So to me, the key play was second and five. I thought that's where Belichick should have stepped in and said, go for the win right here. This is when we got enough yards to set it up on first down, to set up second down go for the victory here, and instead they run outside zone. The Packers run a counter to it. Cole Strange, you know, gives up the play. They, they go for no gain. Now it's third and five, and now now you're on your heels. What do you do? And, you know, they failed on the third down play with execution, and 
and have to punt it away, which I don't have a problem with punting the ball away there. You know, pin them back and then get a stop and try again. I don't have an issue with the punt once you're at fourth and five. Uh, I would have run the football on third down. And I know they're in the football on first and second down. I get it. Yep. You, when you look at that situation, you really need one first down and maybe a couple of more yards and you're in field goal range. And to mm-hmm. me, they were at a part of the field, right? They're on the positive side there at third and five. I think the Packers were expecting pass at third and five run the football. If you get three yards, now it's a decision. Now you're fourth yep. and two, yep. you know, you're closer to the 40 yard line. You have a chance to get a first down. I would have gone for it at that point if it was fourth and two or less. So I'm running the ball again on third down thinking if I get three yards or more, we're looking good. And, and I just, you don't go play action on second down. You're third and five. Now you put it again in Zappy's hands in a third and five situation, things go wrong. And now you're fourth and five and you got nothing out of back-to-back plays. I would have run the ball again on third down. And I would not have been opposed to, to maybe a little bit of an end around to Kendrick Bourne or something funky. If you're going to run the ball, you know, the, the, the stretch zone run. Okay. It worked a few times in this game, but maybe go back to your bread and butter on such a huge call. So yep. I just, you know, I, I didn't agree with what they did in that overtime drive. They had a golden opportunity to win that football game. I would also say before we get to the BSJ film room, I do give this defense a little bit of credit. I, I think I, I don't want to paint it as, oh, well, it was all because Rogers just wasn't good. I mean, they played well in week one against Miami. We all thought it was because of, you know, two of this, two of that. Miami, pretty good offense, not great offense, but they played pretty well with Tua. You know, they limited Tyreek Hill. They limited Jalen Waddle in that game outside of the mistake at the end of the first half. Lamar Jackson killed him with his legs. And Mark Andrews was a, was a big problem. I'm not going to sit there and try to sugarcoat Baltimore's game, especially in the second half. But th- I think this defense is, is good enough to compete. You know, are, are they a top 10 defense? Probably not. But, but right now, they're, they're good enough to keep the team in the game if, if they can put some points on the board. All right, we'll have BSJ film room in a minute. But first, Greg, tell us about the athletic greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it for three months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, has kind of a mild tropical, little minty taste, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this, is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Yeah, even though it's a green juice. I'm telling you, it tastes good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. B-E-D-A-R-D, Bedard is the code. All right, let's jump into the film room with Greg. Uh, Let's look at Matt Patricia. And you mentioned this a a couple of minutes ago, Greg. Patricia is struggling on his second and long play calls, and and that propped up uh, a number of times in this game. You have three specific plays you want to break down. Let's start with the uh, opening drive, second and nine at the Green Bay eighteen. Yeah, so they've been driving down the field, and, and, and I think Matt Patricia is fine when they stay ahead of the sticks. They, you know, they're running the ball, and they're in second and manageable. But he, he, he keeps running into trouble on you know, second and long. So you're looking at this play. It's second, and I think on the play sheet, it's actually second and nine. So you know, what you're thinking here, he ends up calling a, like a wide receiver, like a little screen here, but I, I don't understand the call on second and nine, like, okay, second and three, second and four, second and five, even when you think really you're trying to get them in man coverage, you're trying to hopefully, ideally they they're bringing pressure. So they're shorthanded. So all of a sudden you do a quick throw, you got to, you got to throw back. So they call this, this is second and nine. And you see the Packers, they're just sitting back in zone. They have, 
know, they, they have two deep safeties. They have their all three cornerbacks. The Patriots are in single back, one tight end, uh, which is Johnny Smith. They have little Jordan Humphrey, of course, in the slot, Nelson Aguilar, and then to the right, Devontae Parker to the left. The Packers cornerbacks are all about five to seven yards off the receiver. And you're hoping to actually get the Packers to bring more pressure on this play. And they're going to run stretch zone play action and then throw back. And they end up rushing. They, they end up rushing five and they have it set up with the offensive lineman. The problem is, is that the cornerback who's on Devonte Parker recognizes him not going deep and he comes up and he just snuffs out the play. I mean, if, if for some reason you can avoid that cornerback, the Patriots have a touchdown, probably. They have two offensive linemen out in front. But to me, that play was defeated by the call. Like, it, it was, you, as a play caller, you're anticipating what defense are they in. You don't call that play unless you think the defense is going to be aggressive. And they just, they just got completely busted on that. Uh, the second play I wanted to look at was um, – that second play, Greg, while you're looking for the second yep. play, I'll jump a second. Cause you said something about uh, DBs playing off of wide receivers. I, go back to the overtime. Um, it infuriated me that the Patriots in overtime, when the Packers only needed, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards for field goal range, that their defensive backs for some reason were playing 10, 15 yards off the wide receivers. They were playing way too soft on mm-hmm. the outside. And Rodgers played a game of pitch and catch twice and just absolutely stole like 15, 17 yards. And I did not understand uh, that strategy by, by Steve Belichick and company to have your DBs in that scenario playing such soft coverage. You were just welcoming the Packers to move it downfield and get into field goal range. It was as if you just didn't want to give up a touchdown. You would deal with losing by a field goal but don't give up the touchdown. And I, I just thought that was ridiculous. They should have been playing up closer to the wide receivers, making it more difficult for Rodgers instead of making it so damn easy. Okay, so Greg's found the uh, second play here. We're at second and eight. This is the next drive. So this is the second drive of the game for the Patriots. Second and eight. They're once again in Green Bay territory at the mm-hmm. Green Bay 35. Yeah, they're at, they're at field goal range right now. They're at the 35. Even if they just they don't get anything on these next two plays, um, they kick a field goal and they're up, they're up six, nothing. This is going to be another quick hitter. They're in, they're in shotgun. Harris is in the backfield. Hunter Henry is X ISO to the right. You have trips to the left. It looks like Parker. Uh, I think Aguilar and little Jordan Humphrey, of course. So this is another play where they're trying to run. They love, Matt Patricia loves to run these rub rats. We see it a lot in the red zone. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get Harris out of the backfield. I guess he's anticipating pressure, but again, it's second and eight. It's second and nine, whatever. It's long yardage. Why would the Packers bring, maybe if you think they're at, at, you know, once they get in the field goal range, because the Patriots, the Patriots would blitz in this circumstance because they want to knock you out of field goal range. Maybe he's anticipating that. Maybe he's seen it on film, but basically what they're trying to do is, Hunter Henry is going to run a rub. They think that Quay Walker, the rookie linebacker, is in man coverage against Damian Harris, and Hunter Henry is going to run a pick play on him. The problem is the Packers are in zone coverage, and they actually bring Walker on a blitz, and now now the guy that Hunter Henry is supposed to pick is coming on a pressure. Now the safety comes down. Henry can't pick anybody. And the safety's there to make an open field tackle for a two-yard loss. That sets up the next play is when Hoyer gets knocked out of the game on a sack. We'll look at that real quick. Now it's third and ten. Now it's third and ten. And this is the play. This is the play where Isaiah Wynn thinks he's going to get help from Ramondre Stevenson with a chip. He sets up a little bit to the inside. Stevenson doesn't help him. And then there's the sack. And, and so, you know, that was just a debacle. They were in field goal range. And the sec- to me, the second down play call was the key thing. And that, that led to them being knocked out of field position, set up third and long. Gary just 
beats win because he doesn't get a chip and end of Brian Hoyer end of that drive. They have to punt. These are golden opportunities and it goes back as Greg searches for the third and final play. He wants to show y'all it, it goes back to the, the situational play calling of Matt Patricia. And you know, look, it's a very difficult gig to have offensive coordinator at the NFL level, but you have to, in critical situations, you have to know uh, what play gives you the best chance to, to move the football against what defensive look you might have. Yeah, that's the big thing. You have to anticipate and you have you have studies, you have statistics to say, hey, they're a high percentage blitz team or man team on, you know, at, at this point in the field, uh, you know, with this score, like this is what they're going to do. And that's really where the genius comes in play calling is that you're outfoxing the defense, that you're anticipating what they're going to do, and you have the perfect play call for that. That's coordinating. Yeah, and we're one month in, and what we see consistently from Patricia is a failure to diagnose the right play at the right time, especially when it's a critical situation. And if that continues, drives are going to stall, drives are going to be dead, you're going to be in field goal range like you just saw, and then lose 15 freaking yards from where you're set up. And instead of being at the Green Bay 35, when all is said and done, you're, you're by the 50. Situational play calling is a big weakness right now for this offense. Hence, it's a big, big weakness for Matt Patricia. All right, the third and final play Greg wants to show you in the film room. We have a second and six. This is from your own 29 with uh, 523 left in the game. Yep, they had just run for four yards, Damian Harris, second and six. They can go down and win the game with a field goal. They hang on to the ball like they did in Pittsburgh. That opportunity is here. Second down was the crucial play. And what you'll see here is they are under center. Uh, Harris is the lone back. They have uh, Aguilar, I think, to the top of the screen. They have Hunter Henry on the field. They're going to bring little Jordan Humphrey in motion to uh, the, the close side of the field. This, we've seen this before. Every Patriots fan knows. All right, alert, alert toss crack here that Humphreys is going to come in here. Even Preston S Smith, the, the Packers uh, outside linebacker, points to little Jordan Humphrey. He knows he's alerting to them running a, that Humphreys is going to crack down on the outside linebacker, Preston Smith. And normally the Patriots run a toss out here they block down and they try to get a play so you're either anticipating which wouldn't be a bad play in itself at second and six you're anticipating that or if you're going to go for play action here you're going to run play action off of that toss crack because that's what everyone's expecting if you toss the ball fake like you're tossing to Harris now all of a sudden everybody flows that way and then if you still have the ball somebody should be open the problem is they don't run toss crack action. They run draw action. And you watch the linebackers, nobody moves. <laughs> nobody falls for play action, just sort of like last week. Like, little Jordan Humphrey should be open if there's real toss crack motion, except everybody's covered everywhere. There, there's nobody open. Zappy does hold the ball long. I, I don't fault him for taking the sack because he couldn't get outside the pocket and get rid of it and just move on to the next down. Maybe he tries to scramble or something, but he's never been in this position. But to me, that you didn't marry what you were showing and the run action, to me, that was a play calling fail. It led to the, it led to the play being a failure and contributed to it. And to me, that that is another illustration of Matt Patricia just not being an experienced play caller. Fantastic work by Bedard in the film room. Uh, we got to get to three up, three down. But first, let's tell the fine people about betonline.ag. Uh, let me find it. Football is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest football odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. Bet MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. 
Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's give the three up, the three down for the Patriots versus the Packers. Um, Greg, you start with your uh, three up. Uh, okay, my number one up in the game, I mean, I probably don't feel great about this because I think he gave up as many plays almost as – but look, Jack Jones caused a fumble. He had a pick six. Uh, they This team needs the points at this point. So I, I guess I'll, I'll put Jack Jones number one, but I do want to say that I had him for – five minus plays in this game. And, you know, he gave up some plays in the past. He missed some tackles. Um, you know, he, he wasn't great at times. He showed that he was a rookie, but you know, you get a pick six in a game like that, that, that sways everything. I agree. I, I got him up there and, you know, I feel the same exact way as you do watching him, but he's a rookie. I will say he's got to be better in the run game. He's got to be better tackling. I, I thought, uh, there was a stretch there where the Packers ran three times pretty much right at him. And, you know, he just, he did not respond. Uh, that is obviously a weakness in his game. If, if he can learn to tackle better, especially going downhill, uh, then, then I feel, I feel pretty damn good. Cause in coverage, he, he's going to flash, he's going to flash and make some plays. So Jack Jones deserves to be on this list. Who's next. I have, uh, I just had who I wanted. Um, Crap, but I will throw – I'll throw Trent Brown in there. I think this is the third straight game when he's re- been really good. You can make the argument for David Andrews, but I think considering they ran a lot behind Trent Brown on sort of weak outside zone and that you didn't hear much from Preston Smith at all in this game, to me, was a credit to uh, Trent Brown, and, and they sort of rode the big fella, and I thought he played really well for the second straight game. Matthew Judon, he's been really good all year. He continues to play well, and, you know, I I hope that he continues that in the second half. Last year he fell off, but I thought he made some big plays. He had that rush on Rodgers, which was a gigantic play at the time uh, late in the game. So I I thought Judon showed up and and played well. Yeah, Judon was the the other guy that I was thinking of. Um, I had him for a sack, a hurry on third down, a half a knockdown. Um, He continues to be impactful. Um, he does a solid job in the running game. Uh, I have zero issues with Matthew Judon. I think he's played really well to start. I'll throw Ramondre Stevenson in there. I, I love watching him play. Uh, yep. There's a, like a, ha- a handful of plays where he gets like an extra two or three yards that he, he should not get. And I just, I love how he runs, man. And, and that's going to be the strength of this offense and the strength of this team, even when Mac Jones gets back. This offense runs through Stevenson and Harris and then base everything off of that. And, and hopefully they can, they can rack up some wins against some teams that uh, are not as good because they have the opportunity over the next month or so. All right. You're three down. Uh, Mac Wilson. Um, he, he looks lost at times out there. Um, he's had real issues, um, you know, certainly in the Ravens game. And now this one, um, Jamie Collins signing back is, is not a big mystery as to why, uh, you know, I, I think he's having a little bit of trouble adjusting to the scheme, Mac Wilson, and, you know, need a little bit more time, maybe watching and learning and was pressed into service with the, uh, the Raekwon McMillan injury, but he just has not been good enough. He's been a big weakness in the middle of the defense. Miles Bryant uh, got beat two or three times against 40 year old Randall Cobb. I kid, I kid. He's not 40, <laughs> like, uh, but he got beat three times. Like, critical plays to like have to have it third and long uh second and like 19 or something crazy like have to have plays and brian gets beat by Cobb. just got beat by him and i think it's time we start to maybe take a look at marcus jones and see if he can play out there uh i i would just i would love to see if the rookie can can compete with miles bryant because he gave up too many plays in this game in critical times next guy for you uh I just had it, uh, but I will throw, I'll throw Isaiah win out there. Um, I, he's just, he struggled. I did think he had some good plays in this game, but he's, he's been, he's given up way too many hits. Uh, he's a big part of the reason why they keep losing quarterbacks. He's about to lose his job. I would be surprised if Mark and Marcus Cannon is not starting this week. Um, 
And now you have a $10 million offensive tackle who's not even playing, which will be interesting. But it is what it is. He has not played well. I'm going to jump to my third because the, the, the other guy, actually, I'm going to jump to my second. But my third was, uh, you know, pick to Vi or Wilson, either inside linebacker. They both sucked. I'm going to go with Jake Bailey. Ooh, he was good one. He mm-hmm. was god awful. God awful. King of the touchback. Like, I, 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 Belichick gave this guy an extension before the season. I don't know why. He wasn't good last year. People said, oh, it might be an injury. It could be an injury. He has not been good this year. He stunk on Sunday. He's one of the reasons why they lost this football game. And I know it's not sexy to talk about the punter, but when you have like two or three opportunities to pin these guys inside the 10 and you're kicking it into the end zone, do your job. He stunk. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. And the only other guy that that's a good pick would have been among my, my bottom three, I, Daniel Ekulale, uh, no one's really going to care, but and, you know, he's one of their reserve interior defensive linemen, and he flashes at times. He's more of a rusher. But in this game, I thought he was a huge liability in the run game when he was out there. And, uh, you know, none of the guys. I mean, Godshaw was not good for most of the game, did show up a few times when he started playing the first half. He wasn't very good. I mean, you know, he's the guy you gave a contract extension to. When other teams run on you, you know, you got to look at Godshaw. And, and he was part of the reason. But to me, the worst guy against the run was Ekawale. You know, extensions, extension of Bailey. He is stunk. God, chow. We didn't understand the extension. Belichick went out there and said he's one of the best defensive linemen or whatever the hell he said after the extension. And, you know, he, he's not really popping again this year. Maybe it's just well beyond me. And it might be. I mean, Belichick has forgotten more football than I'll ever learn. But I just the run defense has not been good the last two weeks. They're getting chunked out. And you know, Barmore's getting double teamed because teams don't necessarily, you know, fear anybody else on the inside of this defensive line. We, we talked about it and look, you know, we'll see how Ty and Quan Thornton does and they drafted Cole strange. And I, I know some people are happy with the draft and, and that's fine. Um, have a long way to go before we evaluate it. But I will say this, even if, if you were fine with the strange pick and the Thornton pick going into this draft, we said, you know, defensive line, big, big kind of run stopper. The kid from UConn, I forget his name, was was kind of on the list as a possibility. And we said, you know, that that might help this defense. We also talked about a young inside linebacker that could run sideline to sideline. And, you know, if you look at this defense right now, I, I think the two biggest weaknesses in the middle of the defensive line and also that inside linebacker spot. So we'll see. I, I like Jack Jones. I think Marcus Jones is going to be a player. Uh, I think Cole Strange will be fine in due time. We'll see what Tyquan Thornton brings. But, you know, if you weren't going to draft at those positions, you might have wanted to go out there and try to upgrade from Carl Davis and some other guys and in, in Tavai. But you were fine and dandy bringing those guys into camp and, and making them active on the roster. BSJ member, question of the day, $39.99. Annual plan, all the best coverage. John Corrales, Sean McAdam, Connor Ryan. They're killing it. And also the man who is talking to you today, Greg Bedard, with his uh, film room and his chats, all that good stuff. Greg, what is the uh, BSJ member question of the day? Well, I grabbed one from Twitter. This guy, Chuck, he didn't like my commentary that the, the Patriots ran nine plays and gained 14 yards when they had a chance to win the game. And he said one of the plays, one of the drives started at the one. Okay. I understand. And I understand you have a third string rookie quarterback and, and you want to, I'm not, I'm not asking them to, you know, go shotgun wide or whatever and do something stupid in the end zone. But like the, the point is, is that like, you could have, you gain a, you gain a first down there. You have a couple good plays that you feel good about something that you haven't used yet. Nothing crazy, you know, sprint out, especially like when they got the third down, I think it was third and three, like you couldn't do play action, like sprint out, like just something at the sticks, you get a first down. And then suddenly you're like, okay, we try a draw or we try a screen here. Now that we have a little bit of room, then we hit a play near midfield. Then we're suddenly one or two plays away from kicking a game winning field goal. I, I just don't think it's, I just don't think you can look at that and say, oh, well, they had the ball at the one yard line. They just need to, to punt the ball. I do think LaFleur's decision wasting his, wasting a timeout on that challenge definitely factored into Belichick's decision there where he was like, it's probably better off if we just go to overtime. And if they would have cashed in after holding Rodgers on three and out, he would have been right. But 
I still think you just, you can't just wave the white flag there. You get a you get a first down, then you make a decision. But uh, I think the Patriots had every opportunity to be better in that circumstance, and they had another chance to win the game. At the, two minutes left in the game, you have the ball. You have all you have. To, all you need is a field goal. You have a chance to win the game, and and they didn't do it. I was fine with that drive and being conservative and playing for overtime. But look to the Twitter sphere. They're going to nitpick. Let, let's eliminate that drive. Let, let's just let's act as if that drive never existed. Okay. So you take the three plays and the seven yards they got on that drive. The other two drives by my simple math would tell you that six plays, seven yards. So we can focus on the one that they were at the one yard line. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You had two other drives that you could have won the game and you had six plays and, and seven yards on those two drives. So, you know, it, it's ridiculous to look at the three drives that, you know, totaled nine plays and 14 yards and say one of the drives was at the one. Okay, great. Then eliminate that one. And the two other drives were absolutely awful. You could argue the drive from the one yard line was the most productive out of the three. The hell are we doing? He's Greg. I'm Nick. Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast. Nick Cattles brought to you by Athletic Greens and betonline.ag. We'll be back later in the week to discuss Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia Bowl. Oh, Matt Patricia Bowl, the Patricia Bowl. Don't, uh, the Ty Vi is going to cry at the 50 before the game. <laughs> no, look, don't go to, you know, don't, don't overlook this team. Dan Campbell, mm-hmm. he's, he's crying during, you know, training camp and he's biting kneecaps and whatever the hell else he's doing. But this offense, they're putting up points and they, and, and they just went against Seattle without Amon Ross St. Brown and without Deandre Swift. And they put up a ton of points and, and golf through four touchdowns. If you screw around, this team could score on you. So we'll talk mm-hmm. about the lions coming up later in the week until then be good. Be safe and be healthy.